You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. This is a bilingual American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to my acquaintance. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Hi. Hi, acquaintance. That's tough to hear. You've been downgraded. You know, I don't know who raised you, but that's just not how things work. Often when someone is downgraded, they don't blame it on the person who was forced to do the downgrading. Well, there's they just a lot of ask. words. There's just a lot of words in there that make me feel like uh, you're biased. The person should ask, well, why did this happen and how can I make it better? What can I do? Yeah. To get myself out of this hole, this dangerous, dangerous hole that I'm in. Cause I don't know what's, I don't know what's next. The person should say, well, well, you you're dealing with the wrong person, asswipe. So, uh, okay, uh, you've been downgraded from acquaintance to care. nemesis. <laughs> well, I was already there to be well. It seems like you had gotten yourself out of the hole, and Whatever. now you're right back there. And guess what? I was right. I was always right to call you my nemesis, and now everyone has seen why. It's just laid out, laid out. Nobody saw anything, pal. Frank, play the theme song. Whoa. And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> Come on, Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Uh, action part. Hi, Gary. Nicely done, my friend. No, no, Rhoda, Rhoda in the court. Uh, uh, Gareth, I feel like everything uh, got back on track during the theme song. Yeah, no, I feel fine. I feel fine. I'm used to this and I feel fine. Is it weird that you're wearing a Green Bay Packers shirt and I'm wearing a 49ers shirt? I mean, I would love to. I would love to fight you. Is it, what is? What do you mean? Well, we settled it on the field, and we settled it on the field the last season, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. One game away from settling it all, but sadly, <laughs> just couldn't settle it. Another team settled it Gareth, with you, Gareth. This is part two of the John Brown Odyssey, one of the greatest Americans in American history. Now, is this part two of three or part two of two? Well, maybe you'll find out later. Whoa, you little son of a bitch. You little devil. Eight. Okay. 18. F- yes. Go, go. Go ahead. Did you have a question? Well, we, well, we, when we left, he was, he was about to go to Kansas with his plan of uh, what is he going to take over? Well, he's going to stir shit up. I mean, the idea is that pro-slavery people want to go to Kansas to make it a pro-slavery state, and, right. and abolitionists want to go to. And Kansas. he's going to go, he's going to go there and kick up some dust. He's got a bunch of little plans. Right. All right. Now right. You I'm shot. really amazed at your. I'm amazed at your memory. I've listened to it. I had no choice. <laughs> the Kansas-Nebraska Act was passed. You didn't even shout the date officially. 
Oh, shit. 1854. There we go. Year of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Kansas-Nebraska Act was passed. It allowed each territory to decide the issue of slavery on the basis of popular sovereignty. And that summer, tension between Northerners and Southerners was at an all-time high, if you can imagine. The Southerners were convinced if the new territories became slave states, a domino effect would lead to future Western states to vote pro-slavery. What a nightmare scenario that would be. Right. In July, pro-slavery groups headed to Kansas to drive out any abolitionist settlers. At the same time, abolitionist groups like the New England Immigrant Aid Society made plans to flood the territory with anti-slavery people who would vote against slavery when the time came. Now, when you say vote, I mean, they're going to be, because they live there, they're just going to be, this is what Trump fears, this illegal voting. Yeah, this is his, yeah, this is his nightmare Antifa. But this, uh, but this truly is like where you could just, you could just go to a town. It's not illegal. Right. Okay. Right. Well, by the way, that's also legal in the United States. You, You just have to live somewhere for a month and then you can vote. So you could potentially go to any place in the country, check in a hotel at Airbnb on October 1st, and then you can vote in their in their election for president. Great idea. It is a great idea. I'm going to get three million uh, of my best friends to do it in this coming election. Perfect. Uh, John Brown's family was obviously one of those who headed for Kansas. His three oldest sons, Owen, Frederick, and Salmon. Now, I, Wait. I'm sure that, but I'm sure it's said a different way, but there's no fucking way I'm going to look this up. How is it spelled? Uh, there's, um, S-A- L-M-O-N. Well, Dave, you're within your rights. We're all within our rights to call this person the Salmon Man. This is the Salmon Man. Thank you. And I guarantee it's probably, I guarantee you it's Salmon, but who gives a shit? This guy's name is spelled Salmon. Sorry, if your son's name appears on a menu, I'm not going to go, Salmon? (laughs) You've lost the war. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. You got Absolutely. on board late. I guarantee you Salmon preceded this guy. If your name is spelled T-R-O-U-T, no one's calling you Trout. Hey, You're Trout. A trout. Yeah. <laughs> it's pronounced ray in Bo <laughs> Trout. So the three oldest sons left Ohio and went to Kansas. It took them seven months, but was, they wait, finally set quick, up at a was, was Salmon the one who was like, hey, boys, if we swim up this stream, we can get there faster. And they were like, Salmon, what are you talking about? You ain't got to swim up a stream. You swim down. I don't want to. I don't want to go over land because of all the bears. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they set up a campsite in Kansas, and then two more Brown sons, John Jr. and Jason, uh, joined them, decided to join them. But on the uh, journey there, Jason's oldest son died when cholera broke out on the ship they were on. They took a ship. Jesus. So most of the uh, people on the ship were Southerners. And after John buried his son alongside the river, the southerner captain left them behind before they could reboard oh man that's not that's you know what and i've always said this you oh you have to take advantage of a child dying if you can yeah no how are they grieving super hard yeah they're still really upset hit it <laughs> gun it gun it now gun it i don't know i don't know if there's gunning it on gun it that. Gun it for it uh, so, for it. Okay, we're going to we're going a mile an hour. It's well, what about, the hell? We're not moving fast enough. They're going to be able to catch us. Floor it. Well, I'm scared. One of those guys is a salmon. Oh well, we will not be able to outrun him. Trust me. Unless he's going to birth near those rocks, we're screwed. 
they ended up taking much longer uh, because of this to uh, reach Kansas, obviously. Sure. John, uh, John was desperate to join his sons in Kansas, but believed his calling was elsewhere. He wrote to his morning son, quote, if you or any of my family are disposed to help defeat Satan and his legions in that direction, I have not a word to say, but I feel committed to operate in another part of the field. His, wa- his wife had just given birth to another daughter, so he stayed in North Elba with his family. So okay. I don't know how many, I, I didn't check how many kids this guy has at this point, but I mean, it's fucking crazy. He's got, he's got five adult sons what, 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 in guess, Kansas. Yeah, yeah, guesstimate. What are we thinking? I mean, it's got to be like 20 at this point. Oh, my God. It's really. Jesus Christ. It's really crazy. And again, they don't all live. Like, what, half live or something? You know, but who knows? This makes me think that they might be part salmon with the amount of eggs he's laying. Uh, John's sons frequently wrote to update their father with news of Kansas territory. John Jr. predicted, quote, a great drama will open here and requested that John give them arms to ready for the contest. Okay. All right. So... Indeed, John went and raised money for weapons at an abolition convention in Syracuse. He bought the guns and left to deliver them to Kansas himself. So he's too bu- he's too, too busy to go there because of his new baby, but he's he can go drum up the arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's important. Guns it took two weeks to get from Ohio to Chicago. And along the way, he made speeches and uh, and then would get more weapons. So he made speeches, got more money. So he's he's. He's getting weapons as he went. Sure. Is uh, he just everything going, from dub- just like giving a speech and then passing around a hat and people are just putting steel in it? People are just I think like, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe someone has enough money to buy a blacksmith, that kind of thing. I'm going to put a blacksmith in the hat. Hey, you stay in there, Charlie. Uh, he got everything from double edged broadswords to revolvers. But when John finally reached his son's campsite, he was shocked at the conditions that they were living in. All but John Jr.'s wife and child were sick with malaria. The crops they had tried to grow were now rotting in the fields. So things are good. So that's like, all right, well, daddies, plant some of these guns. Yeah. Just go ahead. Oh, let's put a sword in the ground and then we'll eat it when it grows. Eat sword fruit. Uh, So by November, the Free State Party in Kansas was drafting a constitution and John was optimistic that quote, the great victory will follow before long. But then a slave owner named David Rice Atchison convinced fellow slave owners from neighboring Missouri to move across the border and force slavery upon Kansas. Now Atchison was known as old bourbon because he loved bourbon. (laughs) Old bourbon. You've got to, in this time for your nickname to be old bourbon. I mean, you have to just be like, it just has to be in an IV in your arm. Oh no. Oh God. To to get the nickname old bourbon in a time of bourbon, old bourbon in this time. Imagine what you had to go through. This guy really likes bourbon. We all really like fucking bourbon, but this guy's name's old bourbon. Oh, Oh, uh, he used his political connections and uh, talked Stephen Douglas into repealing the Missouri Compromise, which had maintained the balance between free and slave states. Okay. So interstate voting was illegal, but Atchison still encouraged it. 
Interesting. So he's encouraging people to run across the border and vote, right? right. Backing Atchison's plans, pro-slavery general B.F. Stringfellow said in a speech, quote, to those who have qualms violating laws, state or national, I say the time has come when such impositions must be discarded. Since your rights and property are in danger, every election district in Kansas and vote at the point of the Bowie knife and revolver. I get most of what he's saying. I mean, he's basically saying, go do it. It's so important. And do it at gunpoint. Like, bring your business. Oh, that's bring your what he business. means. Jeez. Yeah, he's saying, he's saying vote, but also kill people. Right. Okay, great. So it's a two-pronged attack. So Missourians crossed the border on horses and wagons while armed with knives, shotguns, and pistols in a mass migration. A member of the Free State Party described it as, quote, groups of drunken, bellowing, bloodthirsty demons. Okay, great. Good, great, good. So that's a good electorate. Yeah, so we have a villain. Right. Yeah, a group. Uh, On November 29th, 1854, a pro-slavery candidate was elected to represent Kansas in Congress. 1,729 fraudulent votes had been cast. So people who lived in Missouri, but just walked across the border and voted. How do they know they're fraudulent? Was that just like one of the questions? I don't know. Do you have identification? Will this be fraudulent? Yes, ma'am. All right. Uh, Go ahead and get it. Go to the fraudulent uh, booth over there. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, Yeah, I don't know how they knew they were fraudulent, but they did because they have a very specific number. The next election on May 30th, 1855, was even worse. Pro-slavery groups made up over 80% of the recorded votes when they terrorized polling officials who tried to stop them. Okay. Uh, The Southerners then established a legislature which passed expected pro-slavery laws, uh, such as two to five years labor for anyone caught with an abolitionist publication. Oh, my God. Five years labor for writers or publishers of anti-slavery writings. Oh, boy. Uh, The death penalty for anyone who helped slaves revolt. Uh, now speaking against slavery became a felony. Yeah. Thought crimes. The laws were almost impossible to enforce, but their existence created a very tense and violent environment. In sure. So that's the idea, right? Yeah. 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 Got to freak people out. Free state advocates held a convention in Lawrence and Kansas uh, to pick anti-slavery candidates. Oppose the new laws and form a committee to ensure a fair vote. That fall, a border ruffians, which is what they called these people coming from Kansas. That was their nickname. Coming from Kansas uh, or coming from Missouri? Yeah, I'm sorry, Missouri. The people coming from Missouri got the nickname border ruffians. So a border ruffian shot a free state settler without cause. He just shot him. The witness described the Missourians as, quote, a horseback people. <laughs> A horseback people? A horseback people, always off somewhere, drink a great deal of whiskey, and are reckless of human life. To shoot a man is not much more than to shoot a buck. I like how drunk they had to get for this very important mission of theirs. <laughs> it's you can't take like a minute like if your mission is this valuable to you to just not go be like we should get drunk let's actually let's not drink because this is actually really important we're trying to you know sway the vote what of, uh whole state may as well no, take his not. horse away my name's old whiskey you think old whiskey's not gonna drink you no, think old, ha- whiskey old whiskey can drink? Gonna, i'll shut your mouth i'll have a whiskey then guess what i have look, to chase old- it down with a whiskey 
And guess what? I'm going to get my horse to drink of water. I'm not a monster, but I have a whiskey to celebrate it. My good decision. I'm just. What? You just what? No, no, I'm I'm fine. Yeah, I just want to go. I have a mind to piss your pants, Jack. Do you know what that is? That's where I put my pecker down your fucking pants and I piss. Piss in your pants. I have half a mind to do that. Now, somebody mentioned getting a drink, and that person was a genius. Yeah. I I really just wanted to talk about voting, but I'm going to go ahead and just not. Oh, no. If you want to talk about voting, let's talk about voting, man. What do you want to talk about? How about we have a drink? I vote in favor. What do you vote? I vote go away. Like, I just go away. I'm voting for that. Yeah. Well... I forget how we started talking, but it was probably sports-related, right? Yeah, you were talking about the Buckeyes. They're going to be good this year. They can get the defensive line sorted out. That's that's right. That's right. Hey, man, you pissed your pants. The, you you pissed my pants, but I'm going to go ahead and take off. How did I do that? That's impossible. Okay, bye. Goodbye, sir. Physically impossible. Good guy, though. <sighs> Uh, at the same time, Northeastern anti-slavery societies sent low and lower middle class settlers to balance out the population in Kansas. Southerners ridiculed these people for being, quote, the lowest class of rowdies and for being Negro lovers who had a, quote, sickly, sycophantic love for the Negro, um, also known as wanting them to not be owned. Yeah, it is. That's just how how it works. They like they find good ways to make you feel bad for compassion. Now, free staters, they called them the reason they called them Negro lovers is because free staters actually hated being associated with northern northern abolitionists because they were also racist. The so northern, northern abolitionists were actually racist. They just weren't blatant about their racism, right? So, so they when would they be, said free state. When they said free state, they meant free of slavery and black people. So what was there? Like, we had, like well, like we had in Oregon, remember? Right. Uh, Oregon made so their only state to make black people living there illegal. So their plan is to free them, but then also White dispose of them in some way. Not dispose of them. They just have to go somewhere else. That's what I mean. So you're just basically like, congratulations, you're free here. Now, here's not for you anymore. Go find a place. Like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? Like, what favor have you done? You're like, no, that puts me in more danger. So in other words, the abolitionists were the Democrats. It's, it, you know, it's racism combined with wanting to not be completely horrible. Like, it's just a fucking mishmash of nonsense. I, it, just, uh, it, really. it really is crazy the uh, way that we, uh, like, is it, who else has a variety? We're like a snack box of the amount. It's like a chocolate box. The level of nuance in the racism. <laughs> it's really amazing. It's, I mean, how specific uh, can you get? It's just, we can't, this country can't even agree on how to be racist. <laughs> so at the next Free State Convention, the government drafted a constitution that included a, quote, Negro exclusion clause. It passed with an overwhelming majority because most settlers were aspiring businessmen, not abolitionists. In time, the state became split between free state and pro-slavery towns. 
Unlike most free staters, the Brown family stayed outspoken abolitionists. And word spread about these, quote, anti-slavery warriors, the Browns. And then one day, a group of armed border ruffians approached, approached the Brown campsite and asked about their political views. And John Jr. said, quote, we are free state, and more than that, we are abolitionists. Now, John Jr., uh, like his father, was particularly outspoken. He was VP of a free state society. He had broken several of the pro-slavery laws that had been passed. His wife also did not fear the consequences of her beliefs. Uh, she wrote, quote, perhaps we shall all get shot for disobeying their laws, but you might as well die here for a good cause. Yeah. Pretty good attitude. Yep. Uh, this win. kind of bravery was... That is how you win. This kind of bravery was necessary for free state settlers because many were being hunted or humiliated by the border ruffians. One lawyer named William Phillips was told by the legislature to leave Kansas for being an abolitionist. The legislature was like, yeah, we can't uh, have you. We just voted on it. You specifically are gone. This is the uh, William Phillips uh, law. Specifically about William Phillips and, uh, oh, the eyes have it. Uh, William. I mean, I go. feel targeted. This is well, very for specific. anybody named. It's for anybody named William Phillips. Well, then how come that? That's another Lawrence. William Phillips right over there. And I don't see anyone roughing him up now. What's his, why is he you read the full? If you read the full law, it says who lives on third street in Lawrence. Kansas. Oh, come on. I mean, this is so. This is about me. This is about it's not. Me. It's pretty. Well, there's a lot of William Phillipses on Third uh, Street. So, well, some some language got included that we're not really sure about. But again, we voted on it, so not everybody read it before they voted. Oh come on! I mean, I'll go, but this is. It's, you know, laws happen. So what if another fella na- with that name moves on the street with my name moves on the street when I go? Well, hopefully we can change the law soon after I go or before I go. Yes. Oh, come on. This is just. I'm sorry. It's actually illegal for you to be here right now. So. Oh, God. It takes it's already being enforced. It's it's retroactive. It started a year ago. Uh, what? What? Yo, oh, come on! Oh, God. you're you're a felon. What? I'm a. I gotta go to Third Street to get my stuff. It's a death penalty. Uh, well, come on! You didn't even say that before. I. It actually. I, I get to shoot you in the face. What? Oh, come on! Can I pick which part? Uh, no. Come on. Okay. Bye. Bye. As you, as you just saw acted out, uh, William uh, refused to leave Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> so he was uh, kidnapped, taken to Missouri. Uh, there he was tarred and feathered. And then uh, the guys who tarred and feathered him forced a black man to conduct an auction in which they sold uh, William off for a dollar. Well... I'm sure that everybody felt really comfortable. Now, uh, William, I'm sure it was very funny. Oh, William uh, was w- William was was of the John Brown mold, and he uh, returned to Kansas, where he was murdered by Missourians. All right. In 
1855, Free Stater Charles Dow was shot in the back by a pro-slavery settler. Their dispute began when uh, the shooter was cutting timber on Dow's land. But even though it was all about land and not uh, a slavery issue, rumor was the shooting was due to a slavery-related argument. And a pro-slavery enforcer, a sheriff, Sheriff Jones, arrested Dow's roommate. The roommate was the only witness to the murder, so he was arrested on false charges to prevent him. You're from- under arrest for having all the answers. Get over here. <laughs> yeah. Then a group of free state guys came and broke him out of jail and took him to the free town of Lawrence. So then the sheriff asked for 3,000 troops from the Kansas governor to enforce pro-slavery laws in Lawrence and the governor said, yeah, let's do that. You know what I love about the country, Dave, of ours, is that you get 50 independent governments. It's just such a great feature. You can see how it works well all the time. I can't see it being a problem at any point. No, neither can I. So in November, 1,200 pro-slavery settlers who were uh, you know, border, border ruffians gathered along the Wakarusso River south of Lawrence. Uh, so it's basically just a drunken mob of guys with no experience at war or military. Good, good, perfect. Uh, Lawrence, residents, Lawrence residents formed an army of their own. John and several of his sons uh, tried to ride to Lawrence to help. Free State leaders Charles Robinson and James... Lane tried to negotiate with the pro-slavery governor at the Free State Hotel in Lawrence. Uh-huh. That let me guess, it, Robinson it went well. Appointed, it went great. Uh, Robinson appointed John Brown as captain of the First Brigade of Kansas Volunteers in a company that were called the Liberty Guards. Okay. Now John had a plan ready to attack the Missourian army. But Robinson and so they're about to have a big battle, uh but Robinson and Lane came to an agreement with the governor uh after getting him drunk on brandy. Okay, sure. So without alcohol, what did this time look like? <laughs> <laughs> just everybody hanging out yeah. and, and uh, Utopia? farming. And right, whatnot. yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Governor Shannon agreed to disband the border forces and stop trying to enforce the pro-slavery, pro-slavery laws. After the agreement, a terrible winter arrived, and uh, this pretty much shut all the, all the political fighting, all this slavery, anti-slavery, it, was shut down. It's always amazing how... Of horrible winter. Right, it is amazing how... We bicker and argue all the time, and then Earth steps up, and then we always go, oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, John's family suffered uh, quite a bit during the winter. Food ran out. Snow uh, completely enveloped their cabin. Uh, John's children and grandchildren were afflicted with uh, agru, insanity, and frostbite. Uh, His father, Owen, was now 85. He sent the family $50 and some prayers uh, just before he died. Imagine opening that card. But somehow... What what, what did he send? $50. Anything else? A bunch of prayers. We're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Somehow everybody in the Brown family survived the winter. In the new year, John served as a uh, chairman of a free state convention, 
John Jr. was a legislative candidate for the upcoming election. On election day in 1865, violence broke out in the town of Leavenworth. Border ruffians used hatchets and knives to hack a free state leader to death. Oh, my God. I mean, I love how we just lived with it. Well, we got border <laughs> ruffians that like, like they're just like locusts. Well, they're here. What are we going to do? Enforce laws? Nope. So they, well, they hacked up Tommy. Yeah, so they, ha- they literally hacked a dude up. Well, he didn't want people to own other people, so you have to cut them into pieces. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Well, that'll teach him. They then left his mutilated body at the front door of his house where his wife found it. Oh, my God. Ugh. When John heard, he wrote to his wife, quote, We have just learned of some new and shocking outrages. We may soon again be called upon to buckle on our armor, which by the help of God we will do. Between January and May 1856, tensions reached a new high. First, President Franklin Pierce officially supported the pro-slavery government in Kansas. Executive backing for slavery in Kansas was controversial, and President Pierce stated that nothing illegal or immoral had occurred in Kansas since the legislature's founding. What? What is he talking about? Except for all the... So... There we go. So, yeah. Uh, So... Listen, in not real world, uh, I'm going to make stuff up. Was that a tweet? So on January 24th, he declared opponents of the pro-slavery government treasonable. And on February 11th, the president publicly denounced the free state government based in Topeka. Okay. So he's clearly taken aside. Yes. Yes. Uh, One that history absolutely for sure. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, this obviously thrilled the pro-slavery forces. Right. The New York Tribune, quote, the border ruffians have been raised entirely off their feet by Pierce's complete endorsement of all their past outrages and an incitement to preserve in their diabolical work. Many assume Kansas was officially a slave state now, but the Browns just thought President Pierce was making war inevitable. Okay. So the Browns see this as not, they're going to fight back. I love how yeah, in they're this like, country, well, they always, anytime there's like uh, action, violence, the threat of violence, they're like, don't you do that now. And it's literally the only thing that's ever changed anything in our history every time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, On April 16th, settlers of the free state towns gathered to discuss how they should respond to President Pierce's statements. One attendee, Reverend Martin White, argued that since the federal government had picked a side, they would have to start abiding by pro-slavery laws. Well, John did not like this. By the way, what else do you expect from Reverend White? Reverend White, what do you think? I think we should uh, fall in line and do what they say. All righty. Who's with me? Uh, John was not happy. He stood up and said, quote, an abolitionist of the old stock and that uh, Negroes were his brothers and equals. He would rather see his union dissolved and the country drenched with blood than to pay taxes to the pro-slavery government. Now, the Reverend White very much disagree with John on race. And so he just left and joined the pro-slavery side. What a prick. I mean, what? That's how MSNBC hires its anchors. I, I mean, 
what sort of that's pretty amazing i mean <laughs> so all right well uh, uh you know what yeah. if we're not close on this thing that we're pretty close to i guess i'm for it <laughs> at the end of april a pro-slavery judge named sterling cato issued arrest warrants for john and his family on charges of overt abolitionism <laughs> uh, blatant empathy I mean, how dare you like people that aren't white? You're under arrest for clear compassion. So John sent his son, Salmon, and his son-in-law, go, hey, Henry, Salmon, to go, investigate. Go, go, go by the river. Go, boy. Go. Go get him. Go down to the courthouse, boy. Go. That's my fish son right John there. Son. Oh, a bear got him. A bear got him. Oh, bear's eating him. Oh, my Lord. Oh, oh bear's God. just. Oh, God. Oh, back first. That's not how he wanted oh. to go. I didn't know he was pregnant. It's... <laughs> So uh, he sends uh, Salmon and his son-in-law, Henry, to investigate uh, these arrest warrants. And Salmon and Henry appeared before the court and tried to provoke uh, their arrest. They tried to get arrested because they knew there was a warrant for them, but nothing happens. Wait, wait. Uh, They know there's a warrant. Leave the room. Wait, hold on. Sorry. They know there's a warrant for them. So they go down there to get arrested about the warrant. And they won't arrest them? Yeah, then the judge won't do it. The judge is like, I have other stuff going on in the courtroom. I can't deal with you today. <laughs> I'm dealing with judge? other cases. What? No, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand, but I'm swamped. So I come back tomorrow and we'll throw you in jail. Well, and he had other things before the court that day. There were three German brothers who uh, were accused of capturing local Native American women and forcing them into prostitution. There was uh, James and Mahala Doyle, uh, who were an illiterate couple from Tennessee who thought black people were brainless brutes. Uh, There was Alan Wilkinson, a district attorney, described as, quote, the most evil-looking man who abused his wife shamefully. So there was a lot going on. Okay, fair enough. He's swamped. These people would all be uh, people that the Browns were on the other side of. Um, Sure. Right, it sounds like... So, now remember... Yeah, so now remember the pro-slavery sheriff who falsely accused a witness to the murder. Remember the guy, the witness saw the murder and he arrested him? Yeah, he's like, you're under arrest for having eyes. Yes, Sheriff Jones. So, he wanted uh, revenge against the free staters who freed his witness. Sure. Right? He was still mad about that. Sure. On April 23rd, Jones got into a fight with an anti-slavery settler... And he was punched in the face. So Sheriff Jones then convinced 10 men to drag the guy into custody. Okay. Just how, just how it's supposed to work legally going through the right legal (laughs) platforms, avenues. (laughs) And then that night while he was sitting in his tent, Sheriff Jones, I guess lived in a tent. (laughs) This, this plot is getting weird and thick. He was shot by, uh, Charles N. Ryler, a free stater, he, he only had a minor wound, but that was enough to rally the pro-slavery forces to avenge the sheriff's attempted murder. A local paper called the Squatter Sovereign wrote, quote, We are now in favor of leveling Lawrence and chastising the traitors there. Should it result in the total destruction of the Union, war to the knife, knife to the hilt, Jones' murder must be revenge. Okay, wait a minute. So even though he wasn't right. murdered. Okay. That was my first point. He was not murdered. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So fake news. So that's a big, that's a big part of it. Avenging a murder. Yeah. Huge he flag. Was shot and lived. 
And then uh, I don't get all my information from the Squatters Tribune or whatever it's called. No, it's not a great one. <laughs> the Squatters Sovereign. The squatters Sovereign. Hey, I wonder which way they lean. <laughs> uh, Free Stater Reverend Barty Butler was tied to a raft and stoned then tarred and cottoned. Quote, they stripped me naked to the waist, covered my body with tar, and then, for the want of feathers, applied cotton wool. Having appointed a committee of three to certainly hang me, the next time I should come to Atchison, they tossed my clothes into the buggy, put me therein, and accompanied me to the suburbs of the town and set me naked out upon the prairie. Okay, so they... We're going to tar and feather a man, but one of the guys is like, oh, shit. Tom, did you get the feathers? I didn't. I did not. I saw a bird. No, you were supposed to get a big uh, bag of it so we could feather him. You know what? Here's the thing. I went went there and I saw the birds, right? And I was like, man, that's just, that's a beautiful animal. But we already put tar on him. So we're just going to sit him there. He's going to have tar on him? Yeah, no. Okay, so here's something that's great. Uh, my uncle has a cotton farm. Well, what is great about that? Does he have a feather farm? Well, we put we put cotton on him. Oh, my God. And then he well, looks like have a Have you ever heard of them it tar and cottoning? Have you ever heard that? Sure, they do. Yeah, sure, they do. What about this? What about we're groundbreakers? Maybe it's a new thing. Maybe well, you were just trying uh, to convince me of the opposite. I didn't patent it. I don't know why you brought Look, that up. I, we are going to put cotton on him just because we're in a huge pinch because of your dumb ass. But we're going to pretend like it's... It's not going to... It's not, I didn't... It's not going to cost you any money. Not that much. Not about I, money. I, it, I, we have patent. a feather budget. We're willing to blow it on events of this nature. I mean, good Look, Lord. I'll, it's just... It's just 10... It's just 10 cents. 10 cents for what? That's all. And then you can... And then you can... You're co- charging me to cotton the, him? Well, I did... I do have a patent, so... Oh, this is some major oh, bullshit. All right, for those of you who have not heard, we are now going to tar and cotton the man. Now, I understand. Great idea. It, it, don't you jump. Great idea. Don't you, you're the only one who had the idea. Don't you jump in. Sorry. Sorry, I got excited. We know you That's think great. it's a great idea. It was your idea because you were afraid of getting feathers off of birds. So we're going to cotton him. I understand it doesn't have the cachet we were all looking for. But I love uh, it. here we are. What? Here we are. I love it. Yeah, you're of course. Yeah, it's your stupid fucking. Ugh. It's not even sticking on properly. It, the base is, but the rest falls off. Oh god, he look this. But I, he looks ridiculous and not in the way that I wanted. He's gonna be warm. Oh great. Well, good because we're gonna put him in a lift in a minute and send him to another town. <laughs> Uh, like free stater John Stewart was murdered uh, just for saying he was an abolitionist. Charles Lenart, uh, who investigated the crime, was then also murdered. So people are just starting to get killed all over the place. A pro-slavery judge ordered uh, a jury to indict members of the free Topeka legislature for treason. Arrest warrants for free state party leaders were issued. This allowed pro-slavery forces to justify a full attack Against the people of Lawrence, since most of them were now legally considered traitors. So the <clears throat> the free staters now can rebel openly because they've already been kind of castigated as... Well, 
They can, they can, they can, but worse than that, they're basically, I mean, the comparison would be just like labeling a group of leftist terrorists in America right Right. now. And then you can just, then then, everyone can do whatever they want to. Right. Okay. Right. On May 11th, a federal judge ordered law-abiding citizens of the territory to organize an invasion of the town of Lawrence. Okay. 750 border ruffians mobilized. Small armies from Alabama and South Carolina arrived soon after. Uh, They had banners that read, The Supremacy of the White Race, uh, Yankees Tremble and Abolitionists Fall. Our motto is Southern Rights to All. Uh, a majority of the attackers were drunk. So everyone's just drunk. <laughs> what would our history be like without, like, we took a, a brief knee from drinking and we couldn't handle it. Yeah, it's really. But then outside of that, we've just everybody. been like painting the corners with these wild, ambitious, intoxicated swings. Yeah. On May 21st, a shit-faced pro-slavery army entered Lawrence. All right. Uh, but, it, but it was too late. Almost everyone had fled, including leaders Lane and Robinson. So the pro-slavery forces ransacked everything. Newspaper offices, they destroyed equipment, they threw things into the river, they burned and looted homes, and destroyed the Free State Hotel using 32 shots from their cannon. In total, the damages... Uh, yeah, the total of the damages would be about six million today. Holy shit! But I mean, if you were wasted with a cannon, like yeah, you could do some major damage. Oh, delight! But I mean, God, talk about like some tomfoolery getting those cannonballs in there. I guarantee you, they were like, "We lost thirty men just trying to shoot your own cannon." Yep, it was a bit of a shit show. <laughs> Uh, when Sheriff Jones saw the burning town, he said, quote, this is the happiest moment of my life. Good. Good. That's I what determined to hear the sheriff say. <laughs> I determined to make the fanatics bow before me in the dust. And I have done it. By God, I have done it. I bet you someone on his side shot him in that tent. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, by the time the Brown family received the news, it was too late. Within hours, the family learned abolitionist Senator Charles Sumner had been beaten with a cane on the Senate floor by a Southern congressman. Which we've the attacker was set off by some Sumner's speech, which was the crime against Kansas. So, so Lawrence is burned at the same time Sumner's beaten. Like it's all coming to a head. But John uh, Jr. still summoned his thirty-four man company which were called the uh, Potawatomi Rifles, and he rode towards Kansas. John and his remaining older sons joined them along the way. According to his sons, John was appalled by the cowardly free staters' inability to defend themselves. Against a not one abolitionist. Yeah, not one abolitionist had fired a gun. So John Brown is just furious uh, at this cowardly response and became, quote, wild and frenzies. He said, quote, something must be done to show these barbarians that we, too, have rights. So two days after the uh, destruction of Lawrence, on the night of May 22nd, John announced he had come up with, quote, a radical retaliatory measure that would involve some killing. The next morning, John loaded his wagon with weapons, and gathered a group of willing 
anti-slavery gunman from the group that he had. He sharpened his double-edged sword. Wow. The, I mean, in, in how many ways has he done that? <laughs> Before he departed, John Jr. pleaded, quote, Father, be careful and commit no rash act. And then John Brown headed to Pottawatomie, uh, son, the home son, of his close friend. I promise you, I won't do anything rash. Now, if you'll excuse me, me and these sharpshooters are going to take my double-edged sword to town to try to undo the drunken militia's acts. When they arrived, John spoke to several free state residents and convinced one to give him the names and locations of pro-slavery court members who lived nearby. It's pretty good talking. At 10 p.m. on August on May 24th, the Brown family men and, quote, Weiner, a volatile Aust- Austrian man, armed themselves with guns and oh, swords. Oh, dear. Walked towards a pro-slavery uh, settlement. Excuse me. Pottawatomie Creek. Should we maybe take a vote about um, who is in the group that marches over? Or should we all just... Do it as a group. Maybe someone stays here and watches the rest of the, the weapons. Wouldn't, hey, 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 Mr. John Brown, can I ask you a question? No! Can I ask you, let me... You're going... Quick question. I have an idea. Oh, my God. It just came to me in a dream that I had when I was awake. Mm-hmm. What if mm-hmm. one of us, someone f- maybe not from America, goes back to make the dinner? Someone needs stew. Someone needs to stir the stew. No, no, we're good. But you'll be so hungry when you come back. It's just you're going to, you'll be, you'll come back and you're just. We're good. We're good on dinner. Well, should I maybe just make a couple of sandwiches for the road or something for you guys? Or what do you. So here's the thing. Yeah. If you're going to use the broadsword, I'm going to cut off one of your legs with the broadsword. Oh, I would use it 100%. The plan is to absolutely go crazy with it, yeah. But I'm just saying, would it also make a bunch of sense for me to cut some oranges with it when you guys were down there? And then you can have orange slices when you come back, or I could run them down for like halftime or something? No, no. there's no halftime. Okay. There's no oranges. But then, okay, well, why don't we do this? Why don't you guys head down there? And I'm going to get him down there right after you guys. But the first thing I'll do is make sure that my shoes are perfect. So I'll just step here, make sure that my shoes are perfect for the battle. Last thing I want is to have these shoes that are just have holes in them or, or to have uh, laces in, improperly uh, fitted. You know when you put the lace through the one hole and then you keep lacing up and you realize, oh, boopsie, poopsie, back there, I did the wrong hole. And this whole endeavor has been useless up until hole after the second hole. So I'll make sure that all my boots have the right holes. I don't think they all do, so it might take a minute. And then you'll be there. And then as soon as I've figured that part out, I'd either come there or we'll have the stew. Or uh, one so there are three. There are there are three sides in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Is what we've learned. There's. Uh-huh. Anti-slavery, there's pro-slavery, and then there's uh, boring people. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, we got and I think we should kill pro-slavery and boring people. Yeah, well... As a matter of fact, I think we should probably kill boring people before we kill... Yeah, pro- and I, let's again put up there on the board, or wherever you're saying that, that the boring people are you know, not the people with recipes for stews, because so, it's a dynamic uh, recipe as far as rustic, something with some... Uh, 
you know, actual uh, thickness to it. It'd be nice. If you, I think you'd be very impressed. Okay, so there we go. You guys head down there. I'll be with the shoes and stews. And that'll be my part. I'll be doing shoes and stews. Okay? Go team! I really think we got something here, everybody. You guys are going to... I'm going to blow your socks off with the food. Uh. <sighs> so they go with with Weiner. Okay. John bangs on the door of uh, James Doyle's home. Okay. And then all the men in the house were ordered outside. And out front, John's men attack them with their broadswords. Okay. Three Doyles were hacked, arms cut off, Holy shit. and heads split, heads split oh open. Oh, my God. And then when it was over, John shot James Doyle in. The- Holy shit. Okay, so they are not fucking around. They have come down, <laughs> and they have just Tarantinoed the room. Yeah, so uh, so we've reached the no fucking around. Part. Yeah, well, this guy especially because like we've been with him for a while and we've not really heard this side of it. I mean, there have been some weird, you know, quirks, but uh, going and cutting off arms and splitting heads, and I mean, you know, the death, the death of others. This is so now he's he's ready. Now he he was one of the guys who was in the courtroom that day and and thought that uh, black people were brainless brutes. Right. So James Doyle. So now he's no longer around. Speaking of brainless, uh, they then went to the next cabin, and two men were taken out and given the same sword treatment. Jesus, the same sort of treatment. Yes. Uh, as the last body floated in the creek, John and his men uh, right nearby washed the blood off their swords. Hey, all right, ready to go. Got the stew ready for when you're back. My shoes are organized. Oh, my God. What did you do? Whoa. You should have come. It was- I would have loved to, but the laces were a freaking nightmare up there. John told them it was in accordance with God's will and that it had been done the way it was done to, quote, strike terror in the hearts of the pro-slavery people. Well, I've got pretty good news for you, John. I think some people are going <laughs> to... Well, now that you've Conan bar- the Barbarian the block, some people might start uh, paying a little more attention. Uh, and then they stole the victim's horses and rode back. A pro-slavery paper, the Border Times, uh, wrote, quote, War, war, pro-slavery men murdered by the abolitionists in Franklin County let slip the dogs of war. Now, John Brown's involvement in the murders was just common knowledge. A manifesto was written against, quote, abolitionist robbers and assassins who kill law-abiding citizens, it denounced Brown with the blood of the murdered yet cold upon his hands. What it did change was how Southerners began to view Northern abolitionists. According to a biographer, quote, Before Potawatomi, the abolitionists were considered laughable cowards who either shirked war or could be whipped into submission. After all, after it... They seemed like ferocious criminals uh, intent on attacking Southern institutions. Right. Border ruffians and federal forces were now in pursuit of John, but he evaded capture by hiding out in the wilderness. Uh, Americans uh, deified him until he became a mythic abolitionist warrior 
that made Southerners fear Northerners for the very first time. Okay. Uh, it is, uh, it, it's not the same for John's sons. A group of Missourians led by a Captain Henry Pate captured John Jr. and Jason and destroyed the Brown family property. The two brothers were then tortured so brutally by pro-slavery forces that John Jr. was driven to the brink of insanity. To get back his captured sons, John organized an army of 29 volunteers, and on June 22nd, they executed a surprise attack against uh, Captain Pate and his, uh, sorry, Captain, who gives a shit, Captain Pate and his army at Black Jack Creek. I mean, God forbid I get some guy's military rank wrong. Oh, someone will be upset. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, David. Uh, I'm part of the Pate lineage. <laughs> Um, so he goes with 29 dudes and the battle lasts for five hours. Pate finally surrenders. John won a decisive victory. He captured 22 men, uh, including the captain. And then he held them for ransom. His demand was the return of his own sons. One of John's army quote, there was something strangely mysterious in John's manner. Where he was, everyone acknowledged his leadership. No one ever questioned his authority because he spoke and acted as one who was to be obeyed. Okay, right. Yeah. He was a leader. John took the prisoners back. Yes, a leader. John took the prisoners back to his camp. He fed them and drafted a treaty. So he made up a treaty saying, give me back my sons and then you guys can go free. Uh, The captain was forced to sign it. A copy reached a federal office and three days later... Colonel Edward Sumner and 50 cavalrymen arrived at John's campsite. The colonel said he was, he, he was under presidential orders to disband any armed groups within Kansas. And then John said, well, look, I have a treaty with this guy, uh, Captain Pate. Pate. Right. Um, so then they talked about it. And after uh, a discussion, Colonel Sumner agreed to the treaty terms. He's like, oh, that sounds okay. That sounds okay. Okay, that's weird. Um, So John freed the hostages, but then he found out his sons were not going to be released until September. And now he was fucking furious. Uh, But at the same time, he was relieved that the colonel didn't arrest him because he did have a warrant for uh, murder. Okay. So his kids are still not out. And on July July 1st, John came out of hiding and rode to Lawrence. He met with an anti-slavery journalist who joined John on his trip, and they met up with John's company and traveled to Nebraska City, where they met and had strategy sessions with free state leaders James uh, Lane and Samuel Walker. While there, a commander, Aaron Stevens, who was a Mexican war veteran and a free state warrior, decided to join John for the rest of his travels. Now, John, his reputation was increasing all the time, and he was now so feared that the New York Times called him the terror of all Missouri and the old terrifier. Okay. Which might be the greatest nickname oh, of all time. Since, uh, since old whiskey. <laughs> the old terrifier. <laughs> the old terrifier. <laughs> Sometimes... In the area, just someone yelling, John Brown is coming, would break up pro-slavery so he's, meetings. He's got like a William Wallace American vibe. Yes. Where yeah, it's just very much like so. the legend continued to grow without him even watering it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by August, John's group of followers had grown. John organized a smaller, more disciplined company called the Kansas Regulars within his larger group. So he's got a smaller like unit, right? They were given bylaws that demanded sensible behavior and forbade them from, quote, firing guns indiscriminately, lighting fires after nightfall, and behaving rudely. Okay. Wow. Really? <laughs> the laws of this war for him. Also say please and thank you after you remove arms. At the same time, John permitted unrestricted pillaging, claiming that anti-slavery men could and should take enemy property. Sorry, so for some of us who feel like pillaging is rude, how, how do we square that circle? I'm sorry, what? Well, uh, it's just is there a polite way to pillage? Because pillaging, by definition, just seems rather rude. No, it's great. Okay. It's great. Just don't swear. Okay. But uh, the pillaging... Take what you want. Uh, they're they're uh, they're pro slavery. I have a so I have a quick, quick question. Uh-huh. Um, what if when you guys are off there pillaging, that some people, maybe two one to one to three people, stayed back at camp and made sure that everybody's shoes were totally organized for the rest of um, the battles, so that you don't. Weimer, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why, why are you? Why are you here? Oh, I What's ready. Your... We are. This is. It's an an injustice. To, the Vedic laws have been set up to 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 uh, push down a, a, a sector of the population. I just think it is. You know, racism in any way is abhorrent and, and not okay. You know. You know. You know that your nickname here in the camp is is Stew and Shoe. Yeah, I mean, I Weimer, hear people right? say it. I didn't know. I just, I've been putting stew in shoes. I just thought it was a d- direct order, but but whatever. The point, the point is, some of us want to go down there, but maybe are a little more. You know, someone, someone. If we all agree that someone at some point has to, you know, handle the shoes of it all. So maybe on battle day, I'll just stay here and make sure, and I'll do it. We'll do it. I'll go from smallest to largest, and you know, make sure that. To, the holes are patched up and any miscolorizations are, you know, fixed. So I'll be here. But but other than that, great stuff. Go get them. Leave your shoes. We got those. I'll fight that war back here. <laughs> but nobody envies me, for God's sake. She's attacking the battle of the shoes. It's going to be a nightmare. Talk about uh, flashbacks. But um, yes, okay. Well, yes, I'll do that. And I'll make the stew, if I've got the nickname, lean in, that's what we say. Okay, any more questions? Am I allowed to take them, or should I just sit down? I'll sit down, you're right. I think we're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. You, good. you handle the question part of it, John. Mr. Brown, sorry. Uh, so John's looting of horses and cattle was nothing compared to the crimes of the pro-slavery folks. Which makes sense, right? Uh, I mean, you are being basically just like, I'm in a lawless era, so I will fight it with lawlessness. Yeah, and also people who own other people probably don't have a great moral right, code. Yeah, right, yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, for example, uh, a border ruffian named Fugert was It's like yogurt, drunk but with fuck. <laughs> he was a blackout drunk at a saloon and made a $6 bet that he could scalp an abolitionist within two hours. Wow. He then stumbled out into the street, shot a random free state man driving a carriage, scalped him with a knife while he was still alive, 
then pinned the scalp to a pole and waved it around th- as he walked through Leavenworth. Uh, and okay, what was the enter- what, what was the vibe uh, of the town? <laughs> Yay! There's there's Fugert. Oh, oh my god. Uh, so in August 1856, uh, the president appointed Pennsylvanian John Geary to be the next Kansas governor. Everyone thought it was going to be John Calhoun, who was a big pro-slavery guy. Calhoun had once declared, quote, he would kill an abolitionist with less compunction than he would kill a rat. Cool. So this, this made the pro-slavery Kansans lose their shit, and they declared war against abolitionists. A group of Missouri natives led by a slave owning senator called for, quote, all good citizens of Missouri and every other state to expel from the territory traitors, assassins and robbers who were waging a war professed for our extermination. Okay, sure. Normal calm shit. Normal, normal shit. Uh, on August 26, John's son Owen wrote, quote, we hear lately that about 3000 Missourians have gone armed into the territory. Now, this army was led by Major General John Reed, uh, and they were uh, living off stolen state, uh, free state farms that they would take over. Okay. They hunted anti-slavery leaders and were inspired by a pro-slavery editor who wrote, quote, if I can't kill a man, I'll kill a woman, and if I can't kill a woman, I'll kill a child. He just didn't like pro. He just didn't like anti-slavery people. But, I mean, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, um, the morals are. Yeah, a I mean, I'm not shot. saying. Yeah, war crimes has always been a funny term to me, but uh, good lord. Uh, a mass slaughter soon followed. Good. Followed any settlers suspected of being abolitionists or even remotely anti-slavery were killed. So many people were being killed that, according to one report, quote, the roads were literally strewn with dead bodies. Jesus Christ. John put together a group of 12 men to track down ruffians. Uh, his group stole clothing and 150 cattle from property belonging to pro-slavery uh, leaders. John then took several pro-slavery soldiers captive. But instead of harming them, he gave them a lecture about how wrong their pro slavery I'm going to teach were. you guys how to paint. Come here. Come on. Paint your feelings. <laughs> we're going to do this right. And then he took their uh, weapons and set them free. On the morning of August 30th, the Reed's pro slavery army reached the outskirts of uh, Osawatomie, and there they encountered Frederick Brown. Now, Frederick Brown is one of John's sons, and he was considered, quote, simple. So Frederick sees, remember the Reverend Martin yeah, White? remember White, the guy who left the church. He <laughs> was uh, like, fine, if you're not going to do anti-slavery my way, I'm for it. <laughs> so he's with this group, and Frederick sees him and starts walking towards them going, I know you. Oh I know you. Now, they ordered him to turn around, but he keeps walking and saying, I know you. And then Reverend White shot him in uh. the chest. And Frederick bled out and died. John was eating breakfast when he heard Frederick was murdered, and he and his men quickly rode to Ah uh, Sawatomi. John was greatly outnumbered. He only had 38 men. Reed's army was made of several hundred Missourians. Boy, what the... F- so it's 38 against several uh-huh. hundred. John took advantage of the natural surroundings and put his men uh, behind trees and shrubs. 
Once they're in place, John commanded his men to open fire. Reed's men were completely shocked were... and the camp thrown into dis- disarray. Horses threw, horses threw riders to the ground and soldiers shot wildly into the woods uh, as John's men remained hidden. John's company killed 20 of Reed's men and wounded 40. By the time Reed regrouped and ordered his men to charge into the woods, John's men scattered. Uh, of John's men, of the 38, four were taken prisoner, three wounded, and a few killed. The rest escaped by sprinting down the river uh, and then crossing in waist-deep water with the guns above their heads. In the distance, John's men could see Osawatomie being burned to the ground. A soldier said John grimly looked at the rising smoke and said, God sees it. Wow. I, he definitely is on the William Wallace spectrum now. <laughs> yeah. God sees it. Newspapers printed conflicting reports of the Battle of Osawatomi. Reed falsely claimed only five of his men were wounded and 30 of John's were uh-huh, killed. Right. One paper stated, one paper said John was John killed. John was killed too. Also, John was killed. Uh, and then they ate John's brain. And then he's, and back. he's back now. So it's a. But he's zombie John. So despite the technical defeat, uh, John and his men won a moral victory for the abolitionist cause. He was outnumbered seven to one, but inflicted serious damage to his enemy and then got away. Senator John Ingalls declared, quote, the Battle of Osawatomie was the most brilliant and important episode in the Kansas War. John was now an even bigger legendary figure to Northerners and living proof that abolitionists could fight. But John felt his work was far from over. He told his son, quote, I have only a short time to live, only one death to die, and I will die fighting for this cause. There will be no more peace in this land until slavery is done for. <laughs> this dude's got some lines, man. And that ends I knew we two. were getting a three-parter. <laughs> I knew it. Oh, shit. God damn. Well, this is my, this is my favorite, uh, American in history. I mean, so he had to get three parts. This is just, I'm along with him. Yeah. Yes. Give me that last line again. Did you already shut the machine down? Sure. No, (laughs) shut the machine down. Uh, I have only one short time to live, only one death to die, and I will die fighting for this cause. There will be no more peace in this land until slavery is done for. And we can't get half of the population to put a fucking mask on their face. (laughs) Wow. What a badass. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. Um... Uh, sources, The Legend of John Brown, A Biography and History by Richard Boyer, John Brown, uh, W.E. Dubois, uh, John Brown, Abolitionist, The Man Who Killed Slavery, Sparked the Civil War, and Seated Civil Rights, David Reynolds, uh, The Great Lives Observed, John Brown, Richard Warch, and uh, Jonathan Fanton. Uh, article, John Brown's Day of Reckoning, The Abolitionist Bloody Raid on a Federal, oh, I don't want to say that, Smithsonian Magazine, Fergus Bordwich. Unflinching in the Washington Post by uh, Deneen Brown. Well, a three-parter. Good times. We're doing a trillip. Good times are a trillip. Here we go. I think it's our first trillip. I mean, the LAPD could be. Oh, yeah, that's fair. But that was really four different stories. Yeah, non-connective. This is our first 
cliffhangers. That's right. Well, Dave, I can't wait to hear about part three. The thing about when I gave you a two-parter is we did it in, in an afternoon. You're giving me a week in between these things. I am. It's like, I am. it's like I'm listening. It's like I'm a listener. I'm a fan. Uh, <sighs> all right. Well, fucking stay hungry, everybody. Yeah. Cheerio. Pip, pip. I'm in. Bye. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 